Every week, we go to the scriptures because it's there that the person and work of Jesus are most clearly revealed. And our text this morning comes from the second chapter of the book of Ruth. Hear the word of the Lord from Ruth chapter 2. Now, Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. And he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. And then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter. Do not go glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord. For you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young, la- his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also, pull some from the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, 
You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests. And she lived with her mother-in-law. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Good morning. Good morning to you uh, at home gathering online with us. Uh, Before we begin, uh, I just want to take a moment to uh, remember something, that while we will more fully celebrate this next Sunday at 4 p.m. in the courtyard, uh, 10 years ago yesterday, our church gathered for the first time. For the first time, Southern Heights gathered together as a church where we would gather for Song, sermon, sacrament uh, together. Over the past decade, the Lord has been overwhelmingly faithful to us. All right. I'm sure we'll talk more about that in a moment because I've planned it. All right. Ruth is a uh, is a story. It's a story about a bride and her redeemer, and it's a story about the bride and the redeemer. Uh, It's a story that takes place during the time of the judges. This was a period in the history of Israel where uh, the the way it describes them is they were doing what was right in their own eyes. Uh, It's a season where they were marked by chaos and violence and generally just a lack of faithfulness. And Ruth is a story that weaves together, brings together some of the great redemptive themes of the Bible because it's a story about God breaking into a broken period of history to redeem the future. And in chapter one, uh, we were introduced to two of the three main characters in the story, Naomi and Ruth. Ruth, the daughter-in-law of Naomi, and the story opens with a famine. It opens with a famine and uh, it opens with uh, Naomi and her family uh, heading to Moab in search for food where her husband dies and her son who marries Ruth dies. And so in the first five verses of the book, they're both widowed. And then Naomi decides to head back to Bethlehem and she tells Ruth, "Um, uh, you you should leave me. Go go back to your family. And Ruth says, no. No, where you go, I go. Your people, my people. Your God, my God. And so they return together. And now we hit chapter 2. And we get introduced to the third main character in the story, Boaz. And we get to witness the meeting, the initial meeting of Ruth and Boaz. And as we witness this initial meeting, we get a window into the heart of God. We're going to treat this as a story. The book of Ruth is a story with plot development and character development and narrative and structure. And so we're going to jump in and let it be a story that unfolds um, as it goes. And as it does, we get a picture as we go deeper and deeper into the heart of God, and it, it will land us with some of our hopes for us as a church and our hopes for our neighbors as well. And so let's jump into it, uh, starting in verse 1. Now, Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech. 
whose name was Boaz. Now, we'll, we'll come back to Boaz in just a minute, but I, uh, I, I want to remind us of something that we introduced last week, that to understand the book of Ruth, you have to understand what a kinsman redeemer was. And so a kinsman redeemer uh, was this, that if there was a married man who died before having children, his brother, oldest surviving brother, was expected to marry his widow and produce an heir, a child. Because in ancient societies, to be a childless widow was a vulnerable position. No one to protect or to provide for you. And so this brother was known as the kinsman redeemer. That'll be important as Ruth keeps going. But at this point in the story, we, we don't know who Boaz is. We don't know what it means that he's a relative. Relative is an elastic term, right? He could be a twin brother or he could be a distant cousin that they've never heard of. We, we don't know who Boaz is yet. We don't know what it means that he's a relative or why he's being introduced this way. So let's keep reading. And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. Okay, if, if kinsman redeemer is the concept that you can't understand the book of Ruth without understanding, then gleaning is the concept that you can't understand chapter two without knowing what it is. And so what is gleaning? Well, Leviticus 23. And when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, nor shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall glean them, you shall leave them for the poor and the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. So here's what gleaning was. That when you had a harvest, you weren't to just take it all for yourself, but you were to leave the edges for the poor, the foreigner, the sojourner to come and to be able to have something for themselves. This was God saying, um, I, I don't want you to take everything that you have and hoard it for yourself. I want you to intentionally, proactively, strategically make sure you have some left over for the poor, for the outsider, for those who are vulnerable. Now these gleaning laws... These were in response to the Exodus. So the Exodus, God has delivered Israel out of slavery and captivity in Egypt, and then says, now here's how I want you to live. And one of the ways in which I want you to live is I want you to save some of your harvest for those who are in need, for the poor, the needy, the vulnerable. Why? Because when you were poor, needy, and vulnerable in captivity in Egypt, I came in and delivered you. And I want you to tangibly offer my deliverance to those who are in need. In this way, God is saying, I want you to embody my heart. I want you to embody my heart in the Exodus. In gleaning, we get a window into the heart of God for the poor and the vulnerable. For those who are in need, we, we get a window into the heart of God to those who don't have enough food to hear God say, I care for you. To those who don't have homes to hear God say, I care for you. To hear... To, to those who don't have a family, hear God saying, I care for you. you. You get a picture of the particular heart of God for the poor and the vulnerable. But here's what was going on for Ruth. Here was her situation. Remember, this was the time of the judges. This was a window 
in history where the people of Israel were doing what was right in their own eyes, chaos and violence had gripped them. And when she went down to glean, this was a dangerous act for her. This was an act of, she, she was becoming vulnerable, exposed in a season when women who were vulnerable and exposed at doing this were taken advantage of, abused, exploited. It's why down in verse 22, Naomi said to Ruth, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. This was not a time of Israel's faithfulness. This was a time when they were doing what was right in their own eyes. Rather than serving the poor and the vulnerable, they were taking advantage of the poor and the vulnerable. See, in the gleaning laws, the gleaning laws, you get a heart, a, a picture into the uh, a window into the heart of God for the poor and the vulnerable, but you also get a window into how far Israel had fallen, how far they had drifted from faithfulness and what their unfaithfulness looked like. And so, would Ruth be a victim? Would she be another victim like many others in her day? Verse four. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. And he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman who came back, from, came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please, this is Ruth, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now except for a short rest. So here's the initial encounter, Boaz and Ruth. Three important details that we see. One, Boaz is from Bethlehem. Two, Ruth is asking to glean in his field. And three, the repetition of her identified as from Moab, as a Moabite woman. In other words, this was an outsider asking an insider to be allowed to glean in his field. Now, again, we still, in the story, don't yet know what kind of guy Boaz is. We don't know what kind of guy he is. We don't yet know, is he going to be like everyone else in Israel, doing what is right in his own eyes, taking advantage of her? Verse 8, And Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. So is Boaz a threat to Ruth? Is he going to take advantage of Ruth? No, he is nothing like what you would have expected at this time. Not only is he not a threat to her, he protects her. So I a few verses later, in 15, it says that he instructed his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. And pull out some from the bundles for her to leave and leave it for her to glean. And do not rebuke her. He says, stay close to my women. Stay close to the other women. And I've told the men not to lay a hand on you. And then he goes beyond simply protecting and he's generously providing for her. Listen, when you're thirsty, uh, go. The, the men will get you something to drink and then they're gonna leave some extra food out for you. That he doesn't just take advantage of her, he protects her and he is generous with her. 
And now she's going to respond with a question. A question that is going to take us uh, from, from where this scene not only fits in the story of Ruth, but where this scene in the book of Ruth fits in the larger story of the Bible. Here's her question. Verse 10. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? So here's her question. Why, if I'm a foreigner, why, if I am from Moab, why, if I don't actually belong to your people, if I am not from your people, are you treating me like this? Why the favor in your eyes for me, a Moabite woman? Why are you treating me like this? And here's Boaz's answer. All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done. And full reward be given by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. You see, here's his answer. I know what you did for Naomi. And I know that you left your father and your mother, your place of safety and security. And you came to a land with people whom you did not know in search of protection, shelter, under the wings of their God. I know why you came here, and my protection and my generosity to you is an embodiment of God's. See, here's the point, is that Boaz is not simply a worthy man. He is a worthy man, verse 1. He is not simply a good man. He is a picture of faithful Israel. He is a picture of who Israel was meant to be, that in this scene, we get a picture of how Israel was supposed to treat men, women, and children from other nations. And in Boaz's treatment of Ruth, we get a window into the heart of God for spiritual outsiders. For those not born into the community of faith, those who grew up outside the community of faith, who are welcomed into the community of faith, you get a window into the heart of God for those who are outsiders. His particular care his particular care for them. This is why 10 years ago, 10 years ago, yesterday, we gathered for the first time as a church where we sang together, where we opened the scriptures together and we came to the table together. And it's why 10 years ago and to this day, we organize our church in these communities that we call parishes. And when we thought of them and when we think of them, we think in the lens of a missional community. A community who is here to take the gospel of Jesus, the grace of God in Christ to the doorstep of every man, woman, and child. Through parishes multiplying, through planting new churches, so that everyone, everyone who is in the shoes of Ruth, I, I'm a foreigner, why would you treat me this way? can have the gospel brought to their doorstep to say, you are welcomed in. You don't have to have grown up in church. You don't have to have all of the answers. You, you are welcome in. You are welcome right here. But there is more to this scene. And as we've said the last two weeks, that uh, both from Proverbs 31 into the book of Ruth, the, these characters are both real people and representative figures. 
that Ruth and Naomi, a Jew and a Gentile, in their commitment to one another, a picture of the church united together as one. And Boaz, faithful Israel, representing the true Israel who is Christ, the one who would never do what is right in his own eyes, but said to his father, not my will, but yours. The true kinsman redeemer to come, because Boaz would not be the last redeemer from Bethlehem. And when the redeemer to come from Bethlehem would be here, he was going to establish an economy of grace where there was plenty for everyone. Let's keep reading verse 14. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain and she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. Bread and wine. Enough until she was satisfied and then had plenty left over. Bread and wine, what could that possibly be a foreshadow of? Bethlehem, Bethlehem, Hebrew words, place of bread. What would Jesus call himself? The bread of life. Inviting us to a table where our faith is nourished, strengthened, and sustained. This is the economy of grace. That there is enough for you and plenty left over. Plenty for the poor and the needy to come in and come to this table and dine like a king. Plenty for the outsider to hear, come, come to the Redeemer. You are invited. You are welcomed. He came because he wants you. Come on in. Come on in. There's plenty of grace to go around. There's plenty of Jesus to go around. And where do we find it? What did Boaz say to her back in verse 8? Do not glean in another field or leave this one. Where did Boaz feed his people? His field. Where does Jesus feed his people? His church. What does that mean for us? It means that we are and will always be a home for those who are in need. A home for those who are poor and vulnerable, who need to be invited into a family where, where they can eat as equals. What does it mean? It means that we are and will always be a home for the outsider. So our parishes, our Sundays, and our homes are safe spaces for people who don't believe as we do, where they are welcomed in welcomed in to come and wrestle through the deep things of life, that if anyone is willing to follow Ruth's example and take a step toward God, the church is here ready, ready to offer the full banquet of grace as we follow Boaz's example. The full banquet. That this is the economy of grace, that there is a plentiful, plentiful amount of grace in Christ for you to have your fill and share it with others. No matter what your background is. One of the biggest barriers for both groups, one of the biggest barriers for people wanting to take a step toward God, and one of the biggest barriers for Christians saying, I, I want to be somebody who lives on mission. I, I, want, I want to think through a missional lens in the world and I I want to move toward my neighbor and offer the grace of God in Christ. I want to be that. I want to offer the full banquet of grace to my neighbors. Often the biggest barrier for both groups is our past. It's who we are. 
honest stock of our own life and going, man, I just, I'm not the kind of person who takes a step toward God. I'm not really the kind of person who is there to readily offer it to, to others. That's, that's for other people. That's for other people. Do you know the two people in our story today, so far, Ruth, Boaz? Do you know one is the fruit of incest, the other a son of a prostitute? Ruth from Moab, you want to know where Moab came from? Genesis 19. Thus both the daughters of Lot became pregnant by their father. The firstborn, a son, and called his name Moab. He's the father of the Moabites to this day. You trace her lineage back and you get incest. You trace his back and he's the son of Rahab, the prostitute. But you trace them both forward and you get a few generations from now, King David coming. And then you find them both in the lineage of Jesus in Matthew 1. David and Jesus in their lineage, people who are the fruit of incest and the son of a prostitute. So you, you don't have to have a squeaky clean past Neither does your family for you to be utilized and used by God in his redemptive story going forward. This is a story about God breaking into a broken point of Israel's history and redeeming it going forward. God can break into your broken story. And yes, you have a broken story. The rest of us do too. And God can redeem it going forward. Don't for a second believe that he can't. And then we come back to our parishes. We come back to these groups of men, women, and children. These are communities where we learn. We learn how to wrestle together and live life more and more on mission together, taking the banquet of grace that has been given to us and offering it to others. And learning how to do that together. They are communities where the poor and the vulnerable are always welcome to come to our table. And there are communities where those who would say, I don't really belong, can find out that they do. This is what our parishes are. It's what we pray that they would be 10 years ago. It's what we pray that they are today. Places where those in need of a true refuge can find one. Okay. I need to wrap this up, but there is something that happens at the end of the story, something Naomi says in verse 20 that we need to see. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. So at the beginning of this verse, Naomi uses a Hebrew idiom that's only used one other time, and it's about marriage. In using that idiom, she is tipping her hand. She's tipping her hand about what her hope is for Ruth and for Boaz. But tipping her hand that her hope is that it would lead to marriage. Which gets even more compelling and more interesting when you realize, and I'm quoting here, that the entire dialogue between Boaz and Ruth conforms to a common Hebrew literary convention, the betrothal type scene. So we have a betrothal type scene followed by Naomi tipping her hand that that her hope is that it would lead to marriage between Ruth and Boaz. And then her saying, and by the way, he's a close enough relative to be one of our redeemers. 
Why would we have a betrothal type scene followed by Naomi tipping her hand about where her hope is, followed by Naomi saying, and by the way, he is a close enough relative to be one of our redeemers. Why would we have that? That is Ruth 3 and 4. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the men, the women, and the children who are gathered today, outdoors this morning, indoors right now, and gathering online. And thank you for the men, the women, and the children who have made up Sojourn Heights for the past decade, those with us and those no longer with us. And we pray that we would always be a church that embodies God's heart for the poor and the vulnerable, and that we would always be a church that is a welcoming, safe space for those who are outsiders who could pray and say, how could you treat me mobile like this? And we pray that we would never lose sight. Not for a single day would we lose sight as a church. That there are men, there are women, and there are children all around us in a desperate need of the grace that is available in Jesus And where, where there are some of us who believe the lie that because of my X, Y, Z from my past or my family's past, that, I, that I'm just here to be a passive recipient, but I'm not actively engaged in the mission of God in the world, or I'm not welcome to take that step toward God right now. I pray that they would know that is, that is a lie that is not from you, and that we'd be able to see that what you do, like in the story of Ruth, is you dive into broken stories and you redeem them going forward. I pray we, not, we never lose sight of that. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.